listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Welcome to the final part of our series, Family Matters. If you have anything to take notes with, grab that and pull that out straight away. I love Christmas time. I love the Christmas season. And this series has been one of those that we do a fun creative really to kind of distract you while we go super deep with heart issues. And this series, honestly, has taken a completely different direction than even I thought. Uh, If you have missed any messages, go back and watch them because they've been something that really has gone to the heart and make it so we can unpack these deep themes and enjoy our family in a godly way. Uh, Last night, I was watching Family Matters with my family, and we were enjoying it all together. And as I'm watching it, I'm just laughing because my son Frank is enamored with Steve Urkel, and I want to brag a little bit as a dad. You can't tell them because they literally don't know this, but I have a picture of the the gift we're going to put in Frank's stocking. Do you know how hard it is to find a Steve Urkel doll in the box in 2022? But I'm just telling you I'm the best dad in the world, and when you pull the string, it says, did I do that? Do you have any cheese? And I might eventually regret that, but... This has been a fun series, and you know, as I was watching it last night, we were watching one of the Christmas specials, and I'm watching it, and I'm kind of relating it to my own life and the childhood that I had, and I don't know why. It's just so nostalgic and comforting to watch Family Matters, but I'm also relating it to like, we didn't have that type of happiness, and we didn't have that type of joy when I was growing up. And we see the ideal on, on whether it's Christmas movies, like Pastor Gabe said a couple of weeks ago, we're singing about it, or whether you're watching it in shows, and we see the ideal of what could be, and there's the ideal, and then there's the real. And sometimes that expectation gap can be a little bit of a lit down. I remember as I'm watching all of this, I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, we'd like the season to be bright and lovely and happy, but it isn't always that way. We'd love it to be peaceful. And if you talk to a lot of people, even Christian people, you say, hey, is, is everything peaceful? They would talk about, hey, you know, God's peace is wonderful. But, but really, I've got some financial issues, or I'm, I'm going through it a little bit, or there's some health issues in our home, or some drama with extended family, or, or our nuclear family, and, and, and there's some anxiety, there's some chaos that's going on. And, and it's very few that you go up and be like, are you living in 100% peace? And they'd be like, yes. And if they tell you yes, run, because they're probably nuts, because that's not real life, right? And, and, and so we want the, the peace of God, and we want the ideal Christmas that we read about, but we don't always experience it. And how does that relate to what the Bible says Christmas is all about? Well, what have we heard? We hear things like peace on earth. Have you ever heard that during Christmas time? Boy, I have. In fact, I see this all the time throughout that slide, guys, of just like the the light display, peace on earth. It's everywhere. And you know what's funny about that statement? The world actually gets behind that. The world gets behind peace on earth. And, and, And Charlie Brown even becomes a preacher for a day, and he talks about peace on earth. Come on, old people, you know what I'm talking about? And so, like, like it it is something that is well known, but is that what Christmas is really all about? Look at me. No. In fact, I did this because I'm kind of a Bible nerd. I went through and I tried to find, is it in there? Does it say anywhere in the Bible, peace on earth? And I found it one time. You're going to be very surprised. Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, Jesus says, do you think that I came to bring peace on earth? Uh Uh-uh. Nope. 
And I'm not going to end the sermon there, but, but, but at the same time, like, put that on your Christmas card, right? Like, that's, that's kind of funny, right? I, I'm not here for that. In fact, it says that I came to bring a little bit of division. Like, not everybody's going to be happy with what's going on in your life. The concept of peace on earth isn't going to happen until Jesus comes back again and we go to be with him. And so the songs get it wrong and the Bible has it right. And we have to realize that. There are very few of us that would ever look at this world and say that, that peace is here. I mean, really, if you look at some of the problems that we have, they're huge. I studied this. Uh, for the past 3,500 years of human history, there have only been 286 years without a war. Now, you could call that 286 years peace, but how many of y'all know peace isn't just like countries having war or peace? It's in the home. It's, it's whether we're going to have provision or not. And so these are very real themes and, and things that we deal with. And Jesus said it was coming. Uh, one promise that's probably not on your grandma's fridge, it's out of John's gospel, chapter 16, verse 33. The Bible says, in this world, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. So it's not that God causes the trouble. It's not that he's permitted. Of course he permits it. It's, it's, it's the way of the world. The world's fallen. It's a fallen world. And in this fallen world, he's just saying, bank on it. It's going to come and knock at your door just like everybody else's. And so that's not a sign of my blessing or lack of blessing. Some people are like, I think it's a sign. No, it's not. It's the fact that you live in the world. That's the sign. It's, it's that you're alive and the devil hates your guts. And so in this world, you will have trouble. And, and so we have to, we have to realize that even though peace is in question, God has something better. Now, there are some things that steal our peace. And I put down just a couple of them. I want you to jot these down with me. Uh, things that I think we need to put our finger on, be able to identify some of the things that are robbing us of joy. First thing is this, unavoidable circumstances. Unavoidable circumstances. Unavoidable. That's the operative word there. You can't help it. I've known people that are healthy, and they eat salads, which is like some sort of Torture. I can't even wrap my mind around it. I know healthy people, and they're the people that they have like these really bougie, bougie water bottles that are made out of like cast iron or something like that, and they're all like teal and pink, and they're carrying it around like they have their own personal supply of water, you know, just, and they're just showing off how much water they drink and they run for fun. <laughs> run for fun. If you need prayer after service, we'll have prayer partners at the front that, like, what? And so but I see people that are like that, and they're very healthy, and yet they'll still get sick. My great-grandpa, we called him Old Grandpa, he had lard on his toast, he ate head cheese, he smoked like three cigars a day, lived to be in his late 90s. If there's any justice in the world, that wouldn't be that way, right? Some of us, my gosh, you walk past the pecan pie, and you have to go to Weight Watchers the next day. And so <laughs> there's some things that are outside of our control. And you can be doing everything right and get bum-rushed with some bad news. And it's out of your... You, you have no vote in it. And it doesn't matter if you have the blessing of God or if you're a rank sinner or anything in between. It knocks at everybody's door. So unavoidable circumstances. Jeremiah, who is a prophet of God in the Old Testament, he faced this. And he had a lot of things go wrong in his life. This is what he wrote in Jeremiah 4.20. Disaster follows disaster. The whole land lies in ruins in, in an instant. In a moment. And that's not really like a life verse that's super uplifting unless you think about what's happening. That's a prophet of God. He didn't stay there, by the way, but he was, he was in faith expressing some of this happened. And it was unforeseeable. It was unavoidable. And it bum-rushed me, and I don't like it. 
And that's okay to express that. Next thing, write it down, unbearable people. Unbearable people. Hey, just show of hands. Lift your hand if you're next to an unbearable person right now. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> Ron's going to sleep in the doghouse tonight. I don't know. <laughs> Keep your hands down and your eyes forward is what you want to do in that situation. Unbearable. Do you know what I'm talking about? Just plumb mean. Why are you so angry? Why, what are you upset about? Some people just wake up and they just don't like you. It's, they, you didn't do anything wrong. I was shopping over at Target. Kyle likes to call it Target because she feels bougie when she says it. And so I was shopping at Target and I was alone and I'm pulling into the Target and, and I must have taken someone's spot because this lady, she was three miles away, by the way. And so I'm pulling in there and she's bomb, 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 and she's doing every sign language gesture you get around me, just angry. I'm thinking like, you're old. You didn't grow out of that yet. And, and you know, and I, I'm just thinking, you're just so angry. It's unbearable. Some of you have family members or in-laws. We won't even go there, but, but, but outlaws. And it's just, you just have to smile and nod and praise the Lord. And you're possessed by the devil, but I, I can't. Unbearable. And, and Psalm 109, the Bible says, without words of ha- or with words of hatred, they surround me. They attack me without a cause. So sometimes it's, it's not because you did anything. Sometimes it's because you're doing well and people hate your success. You ever notice that about certain people? They, they, they'll drive through a neighborhood with really nice houses, and they'll go, that's a really nice house. Must be a dirt bag that lives there. Because they think everybody came about their money in a dishonest way except them. Hallelujah. Next thing, write it down. Unexplainable problems. Unexplainable. Things that it's like, this came out of nowhere, yes, but it also doesn't have a cause. You know, Christmas is uh, it's a wonderful time for our family, but it's also a time of reflection uh, I've lost a lot of people, Kai and I have, during the Christmas season. Uh, my roommate in college died on Christmas Day. Kaya's mother, Johanna, died on Christmas Day. My nephew, Terry, right on Christmas. My nephew, uh, Michael, came home to surprise his mother from Iwo Jima on, on leave from the Marines, got in a car accident, and passed away during Christmas. And so it's a time where it's like, how did this happen? And I remember when, when, when Johanna passed away, Kaya's mom she was a wonderful woman of God. She prayed for people, and they got healed, and, and prayed for people, and they had breakthrough, and yet she passed away, and she passed away ill. And There was questions in our family, and Kai was asking these questions. I was asking these questions, and there was something very powerful and profound that happened at her mom's funeral, which was in between Christmas and New Year's, but uh, I think we had a lot of sympathy because there was like 12, 1,400 people that came to that funeral. And Kaya got up in front of everybody, and she said, Christmas will not be ruined for us, and we still believe that God is a good God, and he's the healer every time. And I'm telling you, that was pace setting. We needed to hear that. But it was unexplained. It was like, why did this happen? And we didn't stay there long, but at the same time, we had questions. And I think that in the faith camp especially, we have this perspective that you can't have real questions, and you can. Your, your God is a dad, and, and just like when your kids come up, my kids are in question phase. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> hallelujah. It's about everything, you know. Kyle says, we'll be done in a couple minutes. Or it'll be 30. Well, no, it's not 30. Everything's a question. It's, un, it's unreal. And so, so my kids come up, and they get upset about something. And I've had my little three-year-old pound my, my, my you know, he's pounding at me. I say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Look, God can take it. You can be upset. You can even be upset with him. It's just you being in relationship. 
On the other end, there's answers. On the other end, there's peace. But God can take it. Jesus had that kind of relationship with God. So should you. What are you talking about, Pastor? Read it. Matthew 27. On the cross, Jesus says, my God, my God, why? These are the words of the Son of God. It is okay for you in relationship with God to say, I don't get it. I'm doing everything I can, and I'm still, I'm still down. Why? It's okay that you're doing that. But these, these unexplainable problems, they take our peace. And I'm going to tell you this. That's the reason why we give you answers straight out of the Bible every single week here at New Chapel is because I know that the why can rob you of a lot of peace. It, it really can. And I also know this. We try to get you in relationship with Jesus, and he's the one that has the answer to every question. Amen, somebody? And so we got to move on. The, the last thing that I think steals our peace, this is the heading. There's probably more, but uncontrollable worry. Uncontrollable worry. And it's on small things like Christmas. You know, you're like, did we get enough toys? Did we get enough stuff? Did we buy the right things? Are they going to like what we got for them? Are we going to have enough food? Is everybody going to come? Are we going to have enough chairs? And there's just this like normal worry that happens like that. And then there's worry that's like, come on, dads. How am I going to pay for all this? How about take it out of Christmas? Just 2022 going into 2023 How am I going to pay for all of this? What if they find out about my secret? What if they see me for who I am? There's been layoffs at work. What if I get laid off? What if we lose our job? What if I've lost the interest of my spouse? What am I going to do? And worry begins to cycle through our minds. And here's what happens. It's uncontrollable. You you don't want to do it. If you could stop, you would stop. But that's, that's, that's the adjective. It's uncontrollable. It's rehearsing. It, it's like washing over you again and again and again. And it's something, honestly, that I found worry is so crippling. It paralyzes you. It makes you feel like you can't do anything about it. It makes you feel like you can't move to the right or the left. I'm just stuck. It's crippling. And, and Jeremiah, again, a prophet of God, that same man, he says this in Jeremiah 6, 24. We have heard reports about them, and our hands hang limp. Anguish has gripped us, pain like that of a woman in labor. Now, ladies, that was Jeremiah that said that. (laughs) Amen. Here's what he's saying. There's real pain in worry, isn't there? You feel it just like as though the worst scenario is already happening. You feel it. And worry, especially during the holiday season, this is what it looks like. You get invited to a party, but you're thinking about stuff, and you think you can like think your way out of it, and so you're thinking about it. And then, and then somebody talks to you, and you might be a little bit curt with them, or, or, or you get maybe a little bit loony at the party, and you're talking too much, and you're rambling, and, and, and you get home, and you're like, I, I wasn't even acting like myself. It was out of sorts for me. Did that even make sense what I said? And, 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 and that worry makes you into someone who you're not because it's so crippling. Everybody happy yet? This message is taking a turn right now. You say, well, Pastor Joe, in the midst of all of that, how can we still have peace? And then somebody else might be saying, you might be saying, well, Pastor, I really feel like the Bible does say that we have peace on earth. You're remembering it a little bit different than it is. Let me show it to you out of the book of Luke, St. Luke chapter 2. Angels are appearing to shepherds and announcing the birth of Jesus Christ. Here's what it says, verse 10. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. 
you will find a baby wrapped in clothes, laying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. Here it is. And on earth peace and goodwill to men, New King James Version, to men on whom his favor rests. Very, very profound. Look at me. Here's where I'm going with this whole message. It is not peace on earth. It doesn't exist. The world is fighting against themselves, and they're the same people that are high-fiving each other on Twitter, okay? Like, it is not at peace. It's not peace on earth. It's on earth peace. Because Jesus had an advent into human history, where's the peace? It's not necessarily horizontally with everybody else. It's vertically with God. And when you have peace with God, that peace can dwell within you. The goal of Jesus' first coming was not to bring peace on earth. His second coming, we'll see it. But while earth is not peaceful, Christians can still be the people that walk in peace. Well, chaos is happening in our downtowns and all the major cities in this country. I love Chicago. I don't want to go there. It looks like a Batman villain's in charge. And, and you look at that, and you think about how much has been robbed from us, and, and the decay in the public schools, and God, how can I have peace with any of this? You don't have peace with it. You have peace despite it. You trust that the God of Israel will see your kids through. You trust in the program. You trust in the ancient and wise past that I can raise a godly home and have a godly family, no matter what's going on. That's the truth. On earth, peace. For who? To whom? God's favor rests. What is that talking about? If you're in relationship with him, if you're born again, it's on you. And so if you're a person that would say, like, hey, mine's not made up on Christianity or God. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm listening, but, like, I don't know. There's peace for you, but it's in relationship. And if you're in here and you're a Christian and you're being eaten up with worry and you're just, you're lamenting over things and you don't have peace, listen to me, you're living less than what God has called you to be and how God has called you to, to live out this life. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 28, not in my notes, but it says that that lack of peace is part of the curse. And in Galatians 3, the Bible says that we're redeemed from the curse of the law. First service, I had a word for somebody in particular. I'm going to give it this service too because I think it blessed the rest of the people in the room and it'll bless you. There was somebody in the room first service that was having this unreasonable fear that their child was going to be abducted. And I, I knew it just as much as I know my kids' names, that they had this fear that their children were going to be abducted and taken away from them and put into trafficking of some sort. And I said, Deuteronomy 28 says that is part of the curse of the law, that your children would be taken by strangers into captivity and you wouldn't be able to do anything about it. That's part of the curse. And if you're dwelling on that junk, you take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ and you say, God has a blessing on my kids and I can live in peace. Now, I'm not saying test fate or do anything that's unwise, but I am saying this. God wants to protect your home. Amen, somebody? Wow. If you Google... The phrase peace of mind, you're going to be amazed at what comes up. I did it. A funeral home came up to give you peace of mind. You know how they say that? Give you have peace, of, peace of mind, you're going to die. I don't know. A rock concert came up. A perfume, I have no idea. And a warranty for your toilet. You can have peace of mind. <laughs> Plenty of time to think. I don't know. Maybe it's padded. <laughs> peace, isn't, peace isn't something that you're going to be able to graft from the world. 
The world will give you its version of peace, and it's very fleeting. It's there a minute and then gone. God wants to give you peace that lasts. Ephesians 2, let me show you. Now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood. Here it is. For he himself is our peace. You thought peace was a topic. Sure. Peace is a person. When you're in relationship with God, it doesn't matter what's going on, the periphery of your life, you can have peace. Write it down if you get nothing else out of today. Peace isn't the absence of personal drama. It isn't the absence of life issues. It isn't the absence of worldly chaos. Write this down. Peace is having the presence of Jesus in your life. Because I'm telling you, that person that knows God and they're resolved in him, all hell can be breaking loose in their life, and they can be resolved like, I don't know how I'm doing so good. You ever talk to a Christian that says that? How you holding up? I don't know how I'm doing so good. The Bible has a verse for that. It calls it the peace that passes all understanding. Like it's so good you don't get it. Come on, Jesus. That's what we need. That's what we need active in our life. And so, so what I want to do is this. I want to show you this gift and then I'm going to unpack it. I'm going to show you some, some real practical things that we can play out. John's Gospel, chapter 14, Jesus says this, I am leaving you with a gift, and it's the best gift he can give us. Peace of mind, and here it is, not just worldly peace of mind, peace of heart. The peace I live with you isn't fragile like the peace that the world gives, so you're not going to be troubled, and you're not going to be afraid. That's the peace, and it's a gift from God. Three quick things I think are going to help your holidays. Maybe we'll get you out early today. Number one, write it down. You need to get under the lordship of Jesus. Get under the lordship. Many Christians don't understand what that means. They don't understand lordship at all. They, they think that lordship is just like we just call him Lord, like it's magical words. Whoever calls the name, uh, name of the Lord will be saved. That's true. That's a verse. But it's not magical words. It's calling him your Lord. And there's a lot of us who would like Jesus to be our Lord and have a place in our life, yet not be under his lordship. If, not a slide I have for you, but maybe jot this down. Lordship means you're under the covering of a canopy. That's what lordship means. You're under the covering of a canopy. A couple months ago, I took Pastor Brian hunting. By the way, it was Pastor Brian's birthday yesterday. Don't forget them. But um, I took him hunting. He had never gone deer hunting before. And I took him over to a ranch in Oklahoma. And, uh, and of course, I got my deer immediately because I'm a blood-spilling, killing, hunting beast. <laughs> Jesus. I felt God's spirit when I said that. But anyway, Brian wasn't so lucky, poor soul. And, and so we had to keep on like going out and going out and going out. And one day at 5 a.m., and I'm going with him because it's like, we're supposed to do this together, but you better find something you want to kill. And so it's 5 a.m., and we leave. We get on this 4 by 4 and we're going out. And it is, we didn't check the weather, pelting us with rain, just smashing your face. And we get out to this blind and it's one of these enclosed ones you get in, and we get, we get into this blind, we close the door, oh, nice and dry. And then the guy that was taking us out there, he, he just reaches down, there's a little gas-powered heater, turns it on, I'm like, this is hunting. <laughs> this. Some of you guys are like, if you're not bow hunting, you're not hunting. No, 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 it's in that blind. If, you, if you've got that comfort, it's all right. And we're, we're in there, and that is the best picture I could give you of what it looks like to be under God's lordship. You're, like, I'm in him, the Bible says. I'm under the covering. I'm, I'm, I'm going to trust him with my life. And there's a lot of people that want him to call him Lord, but they don't want to live under that canopy. 
Well, what do you have to do to, to see that peace active in your life? Listen to me, this, this is heavy. This is serious. But I have a license to do this. <laughs> he has to be Lord of all. All of it. Some people want a savior. They don't want a Lord. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want any of that. And if I agree with anybody, it's Jesus. But don't tell me what to do. And, and we don't want a chief. We don't want a Caesar. We don't want, why, why do you get a vote in my life? And the reality is this. You make an awful God. As much as it, good decisions you ever try to make, it was a base compared to what God could have done with your life. Now, you might have like, wandered into God's great plan. You might have gone to the right school and God found you there. But listen to me. God knows best. And when you give him control of what? Everything. Uh, what's that country singer that sings uh, Jesus Take the Wheel? What is it? Carrie Underwood? I don't know if she's spiritual or not because I'm, I have no idea, but that's a great song. Jesus Take the Wheel. That's what it is. You got to go hands off and trust him with the direction of your... Help me out. I don't know music, everybody. Like, <laughs> Okay. I was going to sing it, but I'll skip that part. <laughs> Acts 10. You know that the message of God that he sent to the people of Israel telling the good news of peace through Jesus. How? Because he's Lord of all. When he's Lord of all, he's in charge of your life. Well, I just believe God's in control no matter what I do. Well, you believe wrong. You believe wrong. What's the purpose of making him Lord? If it doesn't mean making him boss and putting him in control of your life. Were you living sinful or not? Is God complicit to evil or not? I mean, no. You put him in control. You make him Lord over your life. You trust him with your tomorrow. And what happens? That's where you can have peace because, man, he's in control of this whole ship. That's the peace. Somebody asked, well, Pastor Joe, can I do whatever I want and have peace? No. You won't have peace. Here's another one. While I'm going deep, Pastor Joe, will I go to heaven? I don't know your relationship with God. That's how I'll answer that one. But I'm here to tell you what the Bible says is that he needs to be Lord of all. And so I've even gone further with this. People ask me over the years, and when I was a young preacher, I answered totally different than than I answer questions now. They would say, do I have to go to church in order to be saved? Do do, do I have to tithe in order to be saved? Do I have to to obey whatever he tells me to do in order to go to heaven? And I used to to be like, no, it's just blood of Jesus, you're going to heaven. And that's true at a cursory level. But the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, you call him Lord. So I would say this, if you can not go to church, not tithe, and not obey, and still call him Lord, you're good. Quiet in this Presbyterian church all of a sudden. So if you're choking on anything like that, it's because you don't trust him. But you can trust him, because he's not trying to get something from you. The tithe one is the one everybody's like, ooh, you know. But listen, he's not, he doesn't need your money. He needs your heart and all of it. It's, I, don't, I don't know how to preach it a different way. You know, my kids, they're, they're, they're uh, seven and under, but I have a seven, a five, a three, and a two. And it's, it's wonderful. It's rowdy. It's, it's a lot. And uh, I love it when they're all just like getting along. And they're enjoying each other, and they're hugging, and Aurelio's helping his sister, and it's so wonderful. I'm going to tell you something right now. It's enough to make a preacher swear when they start fighting. <laughs> Why are you fighting? You live in America, you know? All of a sudden, things your parents told you start showing up. Like, you're not going to eat all that food? You know there's starving kids in Pakistan right now that your grandfather feeds, and you're going to leave that chicken on the plate? And here's what I really want to say. I paid for that, <laughs> right? I paid for that. And you took it, and it really hurts my feelings. <laughs> and, and <laughs> when they're all getting along, it's, you could ask for anything you want. Sugar daddy will give you everything. I love you, love you, love you. They start fighting. I'm looking for homes that can foster them. You know, like just, 
Get out of here. <laughs> uh, every one of us have had that experience who call ourselves Christ followers where you've gone out of that canopy and you found that it's not so great out there and you get wet, so to speak. And there's nothing outside of his lordship that's ever brought you peace or happiness in this world. It's found in him. You want family issues worked out? Family matters, right? Put this into your home, Isaiah 32. The fruit of righteousness, the Bible says, will be peace. The effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. You're not going to be worried about everything. There's going to be a quiet still to you. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places. Your house is going to be peaceful, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. Some of you read that and you long for that resolve. Friend, it's yours in Jesus. It is a fruit of righteousness. God made you right with him. Therefore, it is a grace gift that came along right with salvation, and you can have that peaceful home. Can I hear an amen, church? That's what God wants for you. Got to move on. Number two, bring Jesus into every situation. So make him Lord of all, and then bring him into every situation. You're going to have to face something, and it's coming if it already hasn't. You're going to have to stop compartmentalizing your life. When you come to church and you're like, praise God, you got coffee in one hand, you're waving at Jesus on Sunday morning in the new chapel. And then you go to work, and you don't mean to do this, but you just, I'm, I got my work hat on, I got to do, I just got to make it happen. You got to bring Jesus to work. You got to bring Jesus into your dinner table at home. You got to bring it into your family drama. All of it needs to happen. And when you compartmentalize it, and I did this, you're living out cultural Christianity. And that's what got us into so much trouble the last several years. That's why so many churches that we needed open have closed. We needed them on the team. And so we cannot be this cultural version of Christianity with buddy Jesus. We need to be the people of God that are leaning in to what he has for us. And, and we bring them on the job, and we bring them into our home, and we bring them on 131. God knows they need it. And so <laughs> Second Thessalonians, the Bible says this, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. And here's what it is. The Lord be with you, all of you, right? That's where it is. You're bringing Jesus into every area of your life. You're stopping the compartmentalization. And, and so one big area that you can do that, just bringing Jesus into your Christmas, is, is to invite somebody. Go and grab this. Hold on to this for a second. You can put this on your fridge. I encourage you to do that. But you're going to be handed gobs of these things, way more than you want from some usher on your way out of New Chapel today. And you got to invite somebody. You might struggle with the idea of sharing your faith in a real way, but you know what you can share? It's pretty easy. Share your seat. And I think that it would be a wonderful thing if the house of God was full to celebrate Jesus' birthday. And so it's really an opportunity to bring Jesus into that relationship at work or at home or extended family and talk to them a little bit about the goodness of God. This is just an in. It's one tool. Now, there is drama that we face in our extended families, our families, and I'm not immune to that. I have a family member that I miss dearly, and things are not right, and there was a little bit of friction of some sort, and I've done everything I can do to make it right. I'm, I'm showing up at their work. I'm, I'm talking to them. I'm texting them. Um, like, I, I, love, I, love, I love them. And the Bible says, Jesus preached this. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. He didn't say the peacekeepers. Peace must be made. 
And so, so maybe you're in here and you're, you're dealing with some peace issues and it's, it's popping up a little bit weird over here, but really it's because you didn't resolve something else over here relationally. So what does scripture say? It says, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. So have you talked to them? If you haven't, go do it. Try to wrestle this thing down, especially if it's coming up in you. It came up in me just over and over again. It was ever present in my mind. In fact, I would literally and regularly three, four times a week dream about this person. It hurt. And so I knew one day I was preaching a message to you on forgiveness, and I thought, I am a hypocrite. I need to go do this and do it now. I put down my laptop, and I went to their work and talked to them, did everything I possibly could do, and it didn't work. I believe God's working behind the scenes. I'm believing God for, for, for reuniting someday. God let it be. But as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. In other words, when you've done your part and they might not reciprocate, you will have peace. And I tell you, those dreams stopped. There was freedom in it all. And I am able to believe God and not have this emotional angst with it all. And you need that. So during the holiday season, maybe there's somebody you need to reach out to and deal with this on also about bringing Jesus into every situation. I told you that my nephews, about two of them, different sisters, passed away at Christmas time. My nephew Michael was like a son to me. I loved him dearly. And he passed away on a Saturday before Sunday service here. And it was that particular year, our Christmas service was going to be that Sunday. I was at a Christmas party with him on that Friday and I invited him along. And on that Saturday, I was writing my message and finishing things up and going over it with Kaya. And my sister called me and she was beside herself and shared the news. We were all just, I can't even describe it. And I made the long trek up to Nuego where she lived. And Kaya must have told Pastor Tommy, if you don't know Pastor Tommy, he's a board member here at New Chapel. He lives in Winder, Georgia. He's a redneck. He's like Uncle Tommy. He's here all the time. We love him. He's a preacher in the truest sense. And so he calls me up and he's like, Pastor Joe, I'm on my way. I'm packing my truck right now. I'm, I'm going to preach for you tomorrow. And, and, and on the phone with him, I said, you're an authority in my life. And if you tell me I cannot preach, I will not. You need someone in your life who can tell you no. But I said, there's a way to preach tomorrow's service that would really do damage to me. And then there's a way I could do it in the grace of God. And I think I could do it. I had to call him off. I mean, he's, ple- he's bawling on the phone with me, pleading. And he said, okay, if you say you can do it. I don't know. We left 2, 3 in the morning. Went home and tried to sleep a little bit. Had to get up at 5, woke up at 6 instead. Kai told me that I was crying in my sleep. <sighs> That's hard. I came into this room with my notes, looking like I do every Sunday. I read the Christmas story and I preached my message. When it was done, I shared with the church because I thought it would be very disingenuous to not convey what had happened. Somebody asked me afterwards, how in the world could you do it? It was the grace of God. I was in his peace. I brought brought that peace with me into the worst moments of my life. There it was. And that gives you resolve that you need, friend. Because as hard as it ever could be, you need that peace. I got to move on. There's 31,103 verses in your Bible. That's an odd number. That means that there's 15,551 on one side and 15,551 on the other with one in the middle. And at 
the center of your Bible is this verse, Isaiah chapter 26. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You need this. Number three, you have to keep your mind on Jesus. Don't you? When things are chaotic or they're falling apart and you don't know the answer, I got to think about him. I got to think about what he can bring into this because I can't have any resolve right now. It's not panning out the way I would want it to. And so those people that put up those light displays, God bless them. Peace on earth. But the reality is this. Listen to me, Christian. It's not peace on earth. It's on earth peace. And when you have that relationship on lock with him, you can go through anything. One last scripture, and I want to pray for you. I read you John 16, but I only read you part of it. In this world, you'll have tribulation or you'll have trouble. Here's the whole thing. St. John 16 and verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you can have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That's your God. How does that fit into my family? Can you imagine being raised in a home with parents that had more peace? Can you imagine what you'll do for your home when you bring peace into it? Can you imagine your kids watching you have reunions with loved ones that you've had issues with over the years? That's the peace that will make your family issues dissolve. It matters to God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for meeting us in this place. God, I pray for my people. Some of them, this is a happy time, and they're having the greatest Christmas ever. Some of them are mourning lost people, lost loved ones, lost relationships, financial pinch. God, I pray for my people that they would have the peace that passes understanding. God, they choose to put you as Lord and bring you into every situation and stay their mind on you. God, I thank you that the person that's in here that's full of angst find, yes, peace in this moment, but they'll carry peace out of this room. God, I thank you that you meet your people in this place. In Jesus' name, heads bowed, eyes closed, just for one more minute. If you came into this auditorium and you don't have a relationship with God Almighty, you're hearing about a God of love, but you're not sure that you're, you're right with God. The only way to have a relationship with God is through his only son, Jesus. Bible does say, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You got to call him boss. You got to stop acting like a God over your own life and let him take control. The Bible says when you do that, sure, when you die, you'll go to heaven. You'll avoid a Christless hell. But the peace that you're looking for, it's on the other end of you saying, God, you can have it all. I make you Lord of all. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that. We're going to pray. If you mean it, you'll be saved. Church, I want you to pray it with these people out loud and proud, supporting them and as a declaration of your faith. Pray it with me, church. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit within me. I receive all that you have for me. 
thank you for your peace. Thank you for saving me. And thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Praise God. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, love you guys. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.